Hey everyone, welcome to Overlay Christian Church. We're so excited that you're here today. In a few minutes, we'll join together in worship and then hear a message from one of our pastors on our current teaching series. All together, we'll be here for just over an hour. One of our sayings around here is that connection is everything. And we would love for you to connect with those around you here in the service and out in the hallway after the service today. Throughout the year, we'll be promoting events that enable you to connect with your parish and connecting groups, as well as connecting to serve in your community. first time with us today, welcome. We are so glad that you're here. If you have any questions or need any information, then please swing by one of our info desks in the main hallway after service. There you'll find friendly people and a delicious gift waiting for you. Overlake, there are many opportunities to serve. If you need any information about any of these various ministries, from Kid Town Children's Ministry to behind the scenes on a Sunday morning, then note that on the connection card in your handout, and we'll make sure to get you all the information that you need. Thanks so much for being here today. We believe church isn't a building to gather in on a Sunday, but that it's a family where we can come together, both here in our building and out in the community. We hope that you have a great time at service this morning. Good morning, Overlake. It's so good to see you. Let's stand and let's sing together. Peace. 
over you. You can declare this as well. Remember that we, we sing to a God that sings back to us. That he's singing over us. He's singing a song of hope. A song of love back to us. That he hears our cry. The psalm says that he hears our cry. He turns to us and he lifts us out of the mud. He sets our feet on solid ground. declare these words. So with one voice, let's sing all the earth.
I think it's fitting we sing this song this Sunday, the beginning of our Easter season. And I don't know what you walked into this place with. I don't know what you came in here carrying. I don't know if it's hard for you to sing those words and declare those truths that God is good. But I want to encourage you, I want to remind you this morning that the Bible says God does not change. And his goodness and love that he showed us on that cross is still true. That God was good when he died on that cross. He is good today, and he's going to be good tomorrow. Amen? Amen. Good morning, Overlake. My name is Connor. Uh, I'm on one of our student ministries pastors here, and I get this awesome privilege to lead our young adults. Where are my young adults at? <laughs> it always goes better in my head before I actually do it. Uh, and it's good to see all of you guys this morning. Uh, when you walked into this place, you were given a handout, and in that handout, there's a connection card, and, and we, we take connections seriously. We don't think life should be lived alone. And that connection card is one of the ways that we can help connect you guys with stuff happening here at Overlake. So you'll see on there, there's some boxes with ministry information. If you're interested in things happening here at Overlake, you can check one of those boxes. And we'll be sure to follow up with you on that. And if there's anything that you want prayer for, if there's stuff going on in, in your life that you want someone to walk with you through, we want to be able to help you with that also. So you can put that prayer request down on that card. And then at the end of service, there's going to be some offering buckets that get passed along. And you can put that connection card 
in there. But if this is your first time, uh, real quick overlay, can we make some noise for the people who are visiting this Sunday? Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's a Sunday morning. We got to make some noise in the Sunday morning. Uh, if this is your first time with us this Sunday, thank you so much for spending your Sunday morning with us. And I want to encourage you to hold on to that connection card. And after service, you can take it to the Connection Center, which is just outside. And we have a gift that we'd love to give you, just saying that we're glad that you joined us this Sunday. Now, real quick, who here is terrible with names? Like, will admit to themselves right now that you're terrible with names. So I'm, I'm awful with names. I've gotten really good at the whole, like, what's up, man? Like, how you doing? And then I introduce them to my wife and hoping they'll say the name right there, you know? Uh, just playing, playing it. Fake it till you make it. I love it. Uh, but this is what we're going to do. We're going to take 30 seconds, and I want to encourage you, share your name with someone next to you. Even if it's your husband, even if it's your wife, share your name with your neighbors. Say hello. Take 30 seconds. Greet somebody next to you, and we'll be right back here in a few. Chelsea. Yes, working on names. That's good. That was good. Well, guys, I'm Pat. I'm one of the pastors on the team here. And, and Pastor Mike, he got the opportunity to speak at a church that we were really intimately involved in helping plant up in Woodenville, Arbor Church, a couple years ago now. Uh, so, so he's getting to share some good news with them, which means we get to hang together. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I've, I've been looking forward to this. This will be a lot of fun. And, uh, and as Connor said, as he mentioned, we're in the Easter season at Overlake. We are, we are now two weeks away, two weeks away from Easter Sunday, Easter Sunday. And the challenge, the challenge for those of us that call Overlake home, and really what we're, kind of our mantra that we're going after is that everyone bring one. Everyone bring one. That, that each and every one of us would have someone who comes to mind, at least someone who comes to mind, that, that, that could be sitting with us. Uh, as, as we get to, to hear the Easter message in two weeks' time. So, so be thinking who that is. And, and in fact, actually, reach in your handouts and start waving these little guys. Start, start waving those little inserts. Yeah. Guys, these are like, this is like a, a, a visual illustration of the Trinity. It's three in one. There's three invites connected to this one card. You can tear off the top two and, and get those out to people and, and, uh, and the third one as well. But, um, but be thinking, who, 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 which neighbor, which, which coworker, which family member, friend, or, or whomever it is. Uh, we're, we're actually, Leah and I, we're going to throw a little uh, uh, Easter egg hunt in our little condo area. We have a couple other young families that we've noted that, that have moved in. And so we want to meet them and get the kids together and have some fun. But, but also make an invitation. Let them know, like, hey, if they, if they have no place to, 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 to go on a Sunday morning on, on Easter, we'd love for them to join us. So, so be thinking towards that end, again, as, as, as it's approaching. What we're doing this week and then next week is we are going to build the anticipation around what makes Easter so unique. 
And, and, and specifically, what makes Jesus so unique? And so this particular week, we're going to look at prophecies surrounding Jesus. Next week will be more centered around miracles. Um, but, but it's pretty fascinating to think about. There was actually hundreds of years that had passed of people actually anticipating the arrival of Jesus. Amen. Hundreds of years uh, were passing as, as people were anticipating, hoping, desiring, awaiting the coming of Jesus. And so we're going we're gonna to look at that together. And the passage I want to hit lead off with, I, it, it may feel a little unorthodox. It may feel a little strange because it is actually an Easter passage. And, and, I, and I do it intentionally. And you'll see why. You'll see why this is so strategic in a moment. But it's actually the very final chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke, he, he, he gathered eyewitness accounts and stories of Jesus' birth and life and ministry and death and, and ultimately resurrection. And, and, and it's in this story, in his gospel, the, the story of Jesus, that we find what we're about to read this morning. Again, it's in the very last chapter of Luke, chapter 24 of 24. And so if you want to follow along, uh, you, can, you can use the handouts on the white sheet of paper. Or if you want, you can always grab this guy in the seat back in front of you. Uh, every translation that I'm using is NLT, as are these, these Bibles in seat backs. And, and if you don't have a Bible yet, this one is yours. Uh, well, not this particular one, the one in your seat back nearest you. Unless you want this one, you can take it. But anyways... Luke chapter 24. Let's start in verse 17. Let me set it up. Let me set it up briefly here. So Jesus killed on a Friday on a cross. Saturday, nothing happens. He's laid in the tomb on, on Saturday. Sunday, Easter Sunday, women go out to the tomb. They, 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 they note that, 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 that the tomb is empty. Mary, she actually has this, this, this first appearance, this first meeting of the resurrected Jesus. And she tells the disciples, and, and so then Peter and John, they run to the tomb, and, and they investigate. And though they don't meet Jesus, they do see the tomb is empty. And, 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 and so this story is getting out already. And that happened in the morning. Already that story's gotten out to people who were followers of Jesus. And, 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 and the story that we're about to read is two of these followers. They're on their way from Jerusalem on a seven-mile walk to this town called Emmaus. So they're on this walk together. And they're, they're just talking about the weekend. They're talking about everything from Good Friday to what they'd heard that morning. And, and Jesus, unrecognizable to them, unrecognizable to them, he, he comes up and he kind of joins them in this walk. And here's how it goes down. It's interesting. It's interesting. It goes like this. He asks them, this is Jesus. So Jesus, Jesus asks them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stop short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. Let that sink in. Cleopas is telling Jesus, You might be the only person who doesn't know what went down. Um, excuse me, he was the one on the cross. This whole weekend's about him. Here's how I love it. I love it even more. Here's how Jesus plays this one. So great. So great. What things, Jesus asked? <laughs> the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and, and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Wow. 
Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, earlier today. And they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing. And they had seen angels who told them, Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, here's Jesus' reply, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Here's why I selected this. is is, is really because of these last words that we find. That Jesus, and at this stage, even as he's walking through the scriptures, they still don't recognize who he is. It's not until later, and we'll talk about that in a bit, but, but, but in this moment what Jesus does is he takes them through Moses and the prophets and all the scriptures of the things concerning himself. What he's, what he's doing and what he's laying down is what we believe here is that this written word, that this points to and presents us to the living word, to Jesus. That all the text, it's about Jesus. It's pointing to Jesus. It's presenting Jesus, including and especially the Old Testament. That there's great worth, great value in the Hebrew scriptures, in the first 39 books of, of this, 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 this book here, of the Old Testament. And so the first fill-in on your notes is this. The first fill-in is this. If you like to get the right answers on those blanks, it's the Old Testament contains messianic prophecy. The Old Testament contains messianic prophecy. I will admit, that is the most churchy fill-in I have ever created in my whole life. That is just full of mumbo-jumbo in there. So, so let's break it down. The, the Old Testament, well, I, I just mentioned, it's, it's the first 39 books in this, this Holy Bible here. It is the story of God, and it has the creation and the fall of man, and it, it has God's promise that he is, he, he, he's choosing a people, he's choosing a nation, he's choosing Israel to give birth to a son to save the world, to save the nations. And so from that is this theme that then is threaded as we come into the New Testament. So now, now we have a better understanding of Old Testament. How about messianic? Messianic, what does that mean? Messianic, the, the, the Messiah is simply this. The Messiah is the unique person who is to come. The anointed one. Amen. The chosen one. The savior. The rescuer. The redeemer. The deliverer. Some of these words I heard you singing in the first song in the set earlier. Just, just 16 minutes ago. These are professions we make of who Jesus is, the Messiah. The Messiah will come to set things right for not just all people, but all creation. Returning things to a perfect state of harmony and peace. Look again at verse 21. It's, it's kind of buried in the middle of, on your notes there. If you look at verse 21, there's this line, and it's pretty telling. It's pretty telling. This is Cleopas as he's saying this. He's, he says, we had hoped that he was the Messiah in talking about Jesus, to Jesus, which is kind of funny, but we had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. Amen. The function of the Messiah was one of rescuing. I, I did this this week. I was just kind of thinking through different 
videos, different movies, different stories, different books, different, different things that, that so resonate with me when I think of this idea of rescuing or a hero who comes to deliver. And actually, it's a theme uh, that, 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 that really resonates with, with us at a very deep level. Like, uh, like we really enjoy hearing and reading and, and watching stories that have to do with, with things that have gone awry and yet someone intervenes. Someone intervenes to, to, to reconcile, redeem, or restore things. A few examples, and this is kind of my list of, of things that came to my mind, of people that I like and stories. I, th I think of Braveheart. I think of Luke Skywalker, Frodo Baggins, Joan of Arc, Harry Potter, Aslan, and Captain Marvel. That there's just, there's so many. There's so many stories. It really is unending, and yet it resonates deep. So how about prophecy? So we have Old Testament messianic prophecy. Prophecy is this. Prophecy are the words of God to people about things to come. Another way to maybe put it is, is there, there, it's like divinely, di divinely inspired predictions maybe is, is another way that you could frame it or phrase it. And, and for those of us, raise your hand if maybe you filled out a March Madness bracket this year. Uh, yeah, a lot of us probably know what it feels like to get predictions wrong. I, I, I know my heart is still tender from the Zags losing in the Elite Eights. Uh, but there's some pretty bad predictions that have been made over the course of history. Uh, there's actually a book chock full of them. I'm trying, uh, the title of it is The World's Worst Predictions. Here's three. Three of my favorite from this book. King George II said in the 1773 that the American colonies had little stomach for revolution. Wrong. Way wrong. 1912. 1912, an official of the White Star Line, speaking of the firm's newly built flagship, the Titanic, declared that it was unsinkable. In 1939, the New York Times said that the problem of TV was that people had to glue their eyes to a screen and that the average American wouldn't have time for it. <laughs> I read a study. This was today. It had, had, had me fascinated. Like, okay, so how much TV do we watch? How much screen time? There's a study out that says the majority of our waking hours are spent staring at screens. At, at, at our phones, at tablets, at computer screens, at when we get home, the TV, that the, the majority of our time while we're awake is staring at screens. So when we kind of bring this back to where we're going now, the prophecy in Scripture, the way of, of giving it weight, the way of actually recognizing if it has any worth is actually if it proves true, right? If it actually is fulfilled. And that's the next fill-in, and that's where we're going to now investigate, is that Jesus fulfills all messianic prophecy. Anything that has to do with pointing to this, this, this one who is to come, the chosen one, the anointed one, the deliverer, the rescuer, all of that is fulfilled in the person and in the work and in the life of Jesus. And, and it's tempting, I think. I've, I've noted this in, in many conversations with, 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 uh, with Jesus' followers. The, the, the Old Testament can be a bit of a slog, you know? You start out strong. Genesis, pretty interesting, pretty great. Genesis, Exodus. Once you hit Leviticus, it, it really bogs down, you know? It's, it's pretty rough. It is pretty rough going once you hit Leviticus. It can, it can be a bit of a slog. A, a quarter of the Old Testament is actually prophetic. Uh, the majority of that isn't messianic. It's actually pointing to things that would happen to the nation of Israel. 
In, in particular, it's destruction of, of, of Jerusalem, it's siege and, and de, de, deportation to Babylon in seven, or 587 BC. But, but, but that which is prophetic of speaking of Jesus, we got to know, we got to investigate. Here's three theologians and how they speak of the importance of the Old Testament to us, to Jesus' followers. Graham Goldsworthy, he says, The most compelling reason for Christians to read and study the Old Testament lies in the New Testament. The New Testament witnesses to the fact that Jesus of Nazareth is the one in whom and through whom all the promises of God find their fulfillment. Leslie Newbegin, he says, The theme of promise and fulfillment runs like a thread throughout the whole Bible. And Walter Kaiser, a straightforward understanding and application of the text leads one straight to the Messiah and to Jesus of Nazareth, who has fulfilled everything these texts said about his first coming. There's scholars that debate, and they, 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 they love to debate which things are actually prophetic and speaking and pointing to the Messiah. And so on the low end of the spectrum, there's scholars that would say 200. There's roughly 200 prophecies that we can identify. On the other end of the spectrum, there's scholars that say, oh, no, 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 there's like 400. Look at these extra 200 that you, that, 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 that you missed, you know. And, and, and because of that, I, I, I safely say, I'm, I, I think there's 300. I'm, I'm usually right in the middle, like in how I roll. But, but I picked five. I picked five strategically that I think really help articulate just how profound it is that Jesus fulfills all messianic prophecies. So five. We'll start with this one. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. He writes this. It says, Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. It's this imagery, this metaphor that the descendants of Jesus, will, or the Messiah, will be able to be traced back to King David. I got to go to the Holy Land a few years back. And, and as they were talking about this, we saw an olive tree. So, so I bent down to grab a little shoot out of the olive tree. And then I realized, why did I have to squat like that? That's so strange. But anyways, that's the metaphor. That you can trace back, you can follow the lineage, you can trace the ancestry back to King David of the Messiah. So let's see. Can we do that with Jesus? Well, you don't have to go far. First verse in the whole New Testament. First verse in Matthew. Matthew 1, verse 1 says this. This is the record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah. So he's pretty bold on the front end. Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. And then we all skip the rest of the chapter because it's a bunch of names. You know, but, but he's proven it. It's important that it's there because it's a documentation that, no, we can prove. We can actually prove Jesus' ancestry goes back to fulfill this prophecy. Oh, and by the way, Isaiah's writing this stuff about 600 years before Jesus is on the scene. So let's read another one from Isaiah. Chapter 7, verse 14. All right then, the Lord, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So we just kind of raise the stakes from having the right ancestors to virgin birth like that. Matthew 1 Verse 18, this is how Jesus the Messiah, again, Matthew, you'll note, that he's just he's pounding this idea. Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. 
But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. In my mind, that one seals it. However, if you think about it, say, 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 say Jesus fits that one, but, but then fails on other ones, then, then, then he can't, can't be the Messiah. So, so you really do have to continue the investigative work. And so we continue, and this time we're bringing in the voice of Micah. So we're adding a layer of complexity that not all prophecies were just given by one person, but there's really a cacophony. There's, a, there, there's kind of a, a chorus of voices speaking in to who the Messiah will be. So Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephathra, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. Speaking to the location. So where? Where, where can we expect this Messiah to be born? In a little tiny town called Bethlehem. In a little town named Bethlehem. Anybody in here, you were born in Billings, Montana. Just raise that hand boldly. Okay, me, just me, just me. The only person born in Billings, Montana was just me. The Bethlehem of the Great Northwest, I suppose. You know why I was born in Billings, Montana? I just want to be near my mom. Just want to be close, just want to be close to my mom. We'll let some of that sink in for some of you guys. But the reality is this. You don't get to pick where you're born. You do not get to have a say on where you were born. And so here we have evidence that there are prophecies that exist that a, a person, a man, wouldn't have been able to manipulate through just trying and great effort. And this is one of those. Let's continue now into Hosea. Again, another voice. Hosea 11.1. 1. I loved him, and I called him my son out of Egypt. Again, keeping with Matthew, and, and in just a moment, actually, after reading this, this verse, I'll explain why I've, I've been using Matthew, but... In Matthew, verse 14. That night Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. And they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. And that's where he's quoting Hosea's voice right there in Matthew chapter 2. So Matthew's interesting. And, and we, as we've seen already, he's clearly articulating Jesus is the Messiah. He's, he's, he's adamant throughout all of his story, the story of who Jesus is. His, again, his birth, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection. That it all connects to the Old Testament. That it all connects to all the passages, all the, all, all the scriptures, all the holy writings of the Jewish people. And he's doing it at a rate that's, that's astonishing. 68 times he's referencing the Old Testament. 12 times he just straight up says, this fulfills this passage. Just boom, right there. Make sure it's very explicit. And so, 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 so Matthew is just being incredibly clear that the distance is now closed between kind of outstanding prophecies and the fulfillment of those in this person of Jesus of Nazareth. And we need to be mindful of that. And, and, and in fact, you see, like, Matthew's audience is the Jewish people who would have been aware of all this stuff. To the Greek, wouldn't matter too much. But to the Jew, this must be the case if they're to profess any belief that Jesus is the Messiah. And he proves it out. Okay, the last one. The last one I'll read out of Isaiah. And this is probably the most prominent Perhaps even the most popular of, of the prophetic uh, 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 writings that we see pointing particularly to Jesus' death. It's not the only one, but it, it is primary. And it's kind of known as the, 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 the suffering servant. This chapter, uh, 53rd chapter of Isaiah. And I, and I grabbed a chunk of it, not all of it, but here's a few verses. 
And as I read this, here's what I want you to do, especially those of you that have been in the church and have heard the story of Jesus and know why there's a, a cross uh, behind me and, and have heard this maybe Good Friday account of, of just, just, just how horrible it was that, 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 and how Jesus was killed. Picture that as you hear these ancient words, 600 years before Jesus. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. It continues. It, it goes even prior to that as well. And, and you read these things and you map it on to the events of, of, of Good Friday to which I invite you. We, we, we celebrate, we remember, we reflect on, on the events of Good Friday um, on, on, on not this coming Friday, but the following Friday, right, right prior to Easter. Seven o'clock here and, and we'll see just how this plays out. But you see just... just the betrayal of Jesus is a prophecy we didn't even look at. The payment in which that betrayer, Judas, received was a prophecy we didn't even look at. The fact that Jesus is crucified, again, fulfills a prophecy that, that we didn't even look at. The fact that that's a prophecy and crucifixion didn't even exist in the time it was written is pretty fascinating. The fact that, that, that Jesus' clothes were, were kind of, they're kind of cast in lots, kind of, kind of placing some bets on who would get his clothes, that, that fulfills a prophecy. You look that he's buried into the tomb of a man named Joseph, a rich man. And, and yet that's a prophecy fulfilled. We, we, we just barely touched on there at the end of Isaiah. And so many of these, Jesus doesn't get a say in how it happens. It, it's, it, again, it, it's God's providence. So what are the chances I mean, those are just five. We just looked at five. But what are the chances? Someone plug the numbers. His name's Lee Strobel. He plug the numbers on. What are the chances someone could just fit, well, let's say, eight? Eight of these 300-ish prophecies of the Messiah. What, 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 what would be the odds we're looking at? Well, the odds are one in a number that is massive. I don't even know how to say the number. It's one with 17 zeros. And so they, they, they gave image to that. And, 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 it, and the image is this. Who likes Thin Mints? Who likes Girl Scout cookie Thin Mints? I love them, by the way. If, if you ever buy boxes of Girl Scout cookies with no intent to actually eat them, bring them to the church. I'm always hungry. But anyways, if you were to take Thin Mint cookies, Girl Scout cookies, and you were to throw them in the state of Texas, cover the whole state of Texas, two feet deep of Thin, thin Mint cookies, and, and, you, and you covered it, and you take one cookie and you, you lick off the chocolate. You just kind of like scrape it off, you know, you kind of lick the chocolate. And then you put it anywhere you want in the state. Two feet deep, whole state of Texas. I've heard Texas is huge, you know, so it's big. And then you send someone, you send your friend and you put them on a helicopter and you say, okay, you know what? You're so lucky. You get to pick one cookie. You get one chance at trying to pick the cookie out of anywhere you want. I'll go throughout the whole state of Texas, again, it's two feet deep of Thin Mint cookies. And if you can find that one that has all the chocolates scraped off of it, that's the chances of someone fulfilling just eight of these prophecies. Which is strangely close to the same odds that I would ever move to Texas. So, 
So there's that. Well, we've looked. The Old Testament contains messianic prophecies. Jesus fulfills them all. And so the last point on your outlines, it, it, it's no surprise. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. He is that chosen one. He is that anointed one. He is that, that one to which we should be expecting. He is that one that the, that the, that the Old Testament is pointing to and, and the New Testament so well presents us with. That Jesus is the Messiah. There's a dozen different instances of Messiah-like uh, kind of followings cropping up on either side, a hundred years of either side of Jesus' uh, arrival into history. And in each and every one of those historical events, the leader is killed and it crumples. It dries up. Belly up. Done. The followers just, there's, there's no point. The leader is now dead. The only one which turns out differently, and not just kind of differently, drastically differently, is Christianity, is the followers of Jesus. They're willing not just to be persecuted for their faith, but killed for it, martyred, because of what they have heard and what they have seen. Eyewitness accounts, again, of Jesus resurrected out of the tomb, showing off his scars, proving to his followers that he was alive. And the word spread. And it ends up turning the Roman Empire upside down. It ends up changing the whole course of history. Think of the impact of why we're even gathered in this room. Because all this is true. Because we believe this. And that word believe, I, it, it kind of gives me pause. Like, to believe something is... It's kind of fascinating. And, and actually, it makes me want to come back to just our, our, where we began with. In, in Luke chapter 24, verse 25, then Jesus says to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe. And, and, and he goes on from, from there. And, and even the you foolish people part, I always hear that actually as a little bit of a loving poke. He, he knows these people. They don't recognize him. And he's kind of, kind, of, kind of waking them up a little bit. Kind of, kind of, again, they're kind of grieving. They're kind of downcast. They're a little confused. And, and you would expect maybe a stranger to be a little more empathetic. And yet this guy is like, you foolish people. Like, you've given up so quick, you know? Like, don't you believe? And so what about us? What, what do we believe? What do we do with this? It actually makes me think, and, I, and the best connection I can think of to this particular kind of idea actually comes from the trilogy of the Matrix. I don't know if anyone's seen it. I'll, I'll lay it out briefly. And the scene I'll, I'll briefly actually speak to is in the second movie. But, but the Matrix, it's, it's like the only good work Keanu Reeves ever did. But, but uh, three movie trilogy, it's all about this kind of, kind of apocalyptic war between machines and man. And so... Uh, it's not looking super great for humanity. And, and there's this oracle, there's this prophetess that actually prophesies that the one will come. And in fact, she says the one is this guy named Neo. Which, if you think of it, is just the word one scrambled up. Kind of tricky, but there's meaning throughout the whole movie. So, so Neo is this guy's name. And, and it's Keanu Reeves. And I, I know, I know that shocks you, but okay, so... So we have Keanu Reeves, who's, who's the one that's supposed to somehow bring deliverance and salvation and, and restoration and peace in the context of this war. 
And, and, and there's some that, that, that believe, like hardcore. There's, there, Lawrence Fishburne's character is, is the most adamant in his faith. His, his, his name is Morpheus. And, and, and in this really important season, in this really important kind of thing that they need to, to, to embark on, there's this, there's this exchange that comes up between Morpheus and Naomi. And she's played by Jada Pinkett Smith. And, and here's what's said. And I think this is fascinating because I think this really speaks so well into this. Naomi says this. She says, I can't help it. I can't help but think, what, what if you're wrong, Morpheus? What if the prophecy is all made up? Morpheus, he replies, then tomorrow we could all be dead. But how would that be different than any other day? This is a war. Death can come for us at any time. Any place. Now consider the alternative. What if I'm right? What if the prophecy is true? What if tomorrow the war could be over? Isn't that worth living for? Isn't that worth dying for? I recognize that there are perspectives of what I believe that would call me foolish. I believe. I believe. Believe this Easter story. And my heart is one that I, I want so many other people to get to experience that, to hear that. The road to Emmaus, the story ends so beautifully. It doesn't end with Jesus calling them foolish people. It, it ends far better than that. He, he ends up breaking bread with them and sharing a meal. And, and, and it's in that moment, boom, they recognize, what? It's been you this whole time? And I said, you had no idea what happened in Jerusalem the last three days? You know, like it's just this, this epiphany. And they can't help but just go to tell the others. And they do. And it sets up the next part of where Luke ultimately finishes his gospel account. But, but I think that's the charge to those of us in this room who believe. Everyone bring one. Let's pray. Lord, we just want to recognize and fully, fully know who you are. And we, we, we believe that to be in, in your son, Jesus Christ. And so I pray in this Easter season, would we, each of us, have a fresh encounter with you by your spirit. And would you lay on our hearts whom we can share this with, whom we can invite to hear this good news. Because you are the Messiah. You are the rescuer, the redeemer, the restorer, the, the great deliverer. You, you, you are the one who will make all things new. And we profess that in faith. We love you in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, I want to invite you at this time to actually pull out the card that Pastor Connor mentioned earlier. And as, as he noted on the front, if... if if there's any information that needs updating, just let us know what that is. And on the back, we'd love to know how we can pray for you. Or, or maybe even today. Maybe today is a day where you are recognizing, you know what? I, I believe this too. I believe Jesus is the Messiah too. Well, what we see is the next act in the believer's faith is taking the step of baptism, which actually happens next week here at Overlake. And so uh, if you have not yet been baptized, but you do believe, 
Jesus is God. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the very one that we've been talking about. Then please mark that so we can follow up with you and make arrangements for next Sunday. And, and then in a few more weeks, we'll be starting the next round of Rooted, which is the first step here at Overlake. If you've been kind of dating Overlake for a little bit or checking things out, this is the next step for you. Great way of getting connected, meeting others, getting to know about different ministries that happen, opportunities that happen, what we believe. So many things happen in Rooted. And so mark that. We can get you information and, and get you signed up for that. And, um, and then these can go in the buckets unless it's your first time. We do want to send you out of here with a gift. So hold on to your card and swing by the Connection Center so that we can get that to you. Ushers, let's come forward. We'll receive the Connection cards and any gifts, ties, or offerings. And, and let me say personally... Uh, thank you for those of you that have remained committed financially, just in your generosity uh, towards the mission here at Overlake. A uh, couple, couple weeks ago, I met with a neighbor, and she doesn't go to Overlake, but, but she had shared with me that she'd fallen behind on a couple months' worth of, uh, of electrical bills. And so uh, she, she, she was stressed, clearly. And it was so neat to tell her, like, my church has got this. Like, we, we, we will cover this. It's as good as done. And it just changed. You know, you could just see her lifted. And so thank you for participating and making things like that happen. Well, let's do this. We'll watch a short video of baptism and we'll continue to worship.
you after watching the baptism video after hearing Pat's message on stepping out in belief and choosing to believe in Jesus I want to encourage you if you are in here and if you've never taken that step of baptism I want to encourage you to consider it to consider making that outward declaration of an inward commitment that you've made to follow Jesus and if that's you if you're interested in getting baptized if you're interested in learning more about baptism you can head out to the connection center right outside this right outside this room and you can let them know you can let our team know there they'd love to help get you connected with whatever you need or whatever you're wanting to take that next step uh, again what, April 21st, I forgot, I forgot it for a second. April 21st, you guys, is Easter Sunday. We're so excited for it. Uh, and I want to encourage you in that handout, there's some invite cards. You can give coworkers, you can give families, you can give that uncle or that aunt that you've been wanting to come to church but haven't come yet. And you can, uh, we want to encourage you, give you an opportunity to invite some people out here on April 21st for Easter Sunday. Uh, if you want prayer, if you are, if you have something going on, if you, through Pat's message, feel like you need some prayer for something, there is prayer available for you in the second floor lobby just to the left. We have some people over there that are ready to pray with you and whatever it is that's going on in your life right now. Um, I would love to pray. Can I, can I pray for us as we leave here this morning? Jesus, thank you for this place that we might be able to gather together as friends and family to hear your truth, Lord. I pray for faith in this place as we leave, that you would strengthen us with what we need, Jesus, to believe you, to believe in your goodness, to trust you, Jesus, with whatever it is that's going on in our lives right now, God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Believe in you, Lord. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. We love you. Have an awesome week, and we will see you next Sunday.